you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. (laughs) What? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. Hello? Hello? Hello. Oh, there it is. Hi. Yeah, sorry. It was like it was just like hello. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I think I think it was just your computer like getting your mic like hooked in. Warmed up, yeah. Oh, or not? Hello. <laughs> hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Hello. 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 All right, I'm going to just type in chat. Yes, hello. We can hear you. Are you receiving us? Hello? Yes, hello. AP. 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 Yeah, she says she can't hear us. Oh, boy. Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Yes. I don't know what... (laughs) I don't know what was happening. It was bizarre. Every time you were saying hello, we're like, hello. I'm, like, really excited to talk about this one. I know, me too. Yeah, me three. I mean, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Oh, man. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Is that what it's from? I think I've heard that online before, and I just picked up on it. It's from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, uh, okay. I don't mind children as long as I'm able to, like, give them back to their parents. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> same. Hard same. I'm good with children as long as I do not have to, like, keep them around. And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Ay, 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour Extra Episode 72, Rangers Review, Dino Fury Episode 1, Destination Dino Henge, recorded on February 22nd, 2021. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. It's time to range jump with your host. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. I'm AP, also known as Secret Ranger Fan. And I'm Zach, also known as Hollywood. This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Chris P., Steve F., AJW, Tyler W., Tyler B., Tyler D., Eric D., Leland D., Jacob P., Steve M., Liz M., Craig M., Mason M., Hassan A., Bo H., Raheem Y., Josh P., Derek G., and Teresa B. for supporting us this month. You can also find all of our links at linktr.ee slash rangercommandph, as well as our Amazon affiliate link and our Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash rangercommandph. Hey. 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 
We got Dino Fury. We yes, have we do. Dino Fury. Uh, oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. First impressions. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we have a lot to talk about and to get through in in this episode. But yep. before we get to our excitement over the Dino Fury premiere, we do have some news. First off, also Dino related. Uh, We have a new guest editorial from Big Mike 8109. He has contributed to the website before with the consistently inconsistent uh, lightning collection article. And so he has a new guest editorial about Dino Charge toys. It's called Dino Charged the greatest toy line of the last 10 years, question mark. So he shares his opinion on why Power Rangers Dino Charge may have had the best Power Rangers toy line in the past decade. It's definitely a fun read. I know when I was collecting Dino Charge stuff when it was out, I was pretty much collecting everything, the Zords, the Chargers, the figures, and there was so much to collect. I remember those being an expensive couple of years, so it's definitely worth the read. (laughs) Next up, we have some advanced solicitations for the Power Ranger comics coming in May 2021 from Boom Studios. They were able to send us a press release for those upcoming solicitations. So Mighty Morphin 7, issue 7, May 12th. It's the new Mighty Morphin team versus the new Green Ranger. But whoever's left standing will have to deal with Lord Zed's shocking machinations and his even more surprising ally. Mm. Then the week later on May 19th, Power Rangers issue seven, the new Power Rangers, they essentially mean Omega Rangers. I don't know why they keep doing the new (laughs) stuff. It's like... It's it's the same team. We know who they are. So the Omega Rangers and Draken are on the run in space, but they must find new allies if they want to defeat the Imperials. But that means trusting someone they're not sure is friend or foe if they are to save the universe. And then there's Draken. So you can find the amazing covers and the descriptions and more details on alternate variants at rangercommand.com. So we have a couple of new action figure type announcements, but before that, I just wanted to say that it seems like the newest wave of the Lightning Collection figures, which includes the reissue of Lost Galaxy Red, Ethan from Dino Thunder, Sid from SPD, and Adam from Zeo, It seems that Amazon is shipping them and they are in stock at Amazon, as well as I think Entertainment Earth is shipping them. Of course, no movement on Hasbro Pulse side of things. So those are out there. But the two pieces of news that are different from the Lightning Collection. First off, over the weekend, uh, the company Mezco announced a 112th scale green ranger figure and at that scale it's essentially six inches like typical action figure but what's different on these it's like a premium action figure and it actually has like real cloth suit yeah and like the the boots look kind of like a leathery texture and of course the shield and and all of that Comes with some different hand accessories as well as the Dragon Dagger and the Sword of Darkness. And this is part of their 112 collective line. And they're having essentially their own toy fair over this past weekend. So 
a lot of announcements from a lot of different properties. But yeah, what do you guys think about this figure? It looks sick. Like, it's clean. It is shiny and new and just, oh man, that is... That is definitely if you're a if you're a collector of like the high end collectibles, this is definitely going to be on your radar because this is beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like I hate to say it, but like I wish I was into these sort of things. Like if I was, I would be buying this in a heartbeat mm-hmm. just because it's such like a beautiful work of art. It's just not for me, you know. Yeah, like I don't think I've ever bought a Mezco product, and I've been looking at some of their oh, other. I've want I've wanted to in the past. It's just like personally this character. Oh, sure. I mean, I think that's more what I was trying to say. It's just like if it was any other character, maybe. If this was Lightspeed Yellow, she'd be all over it. Oh, yeah. I'd buy that in a heartbeat. (laughs) But no, just like on its own, it's a beautiful work of art. And I mean, I'm excited to see what it looks like in person. Like pictures from people who buy it, you know. Yeah, by all means, like I wasn't talking about that itself i was just more talking about this being a like a premium action figure line like i've i've never i've never bought one of their uh figures before i I don't think i ever uh seen a lot of them in person but i've been going through their site and they do have like some incredible looking figures at this scale with, I mean, this is like an action figure, but to the next level. Yeah. They they had a daredevil one that I was like, I was so tempted to buy the daredevil one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but man, I don't have that kind of money. (laughs) I'm starting to look at some of the prices. I mean, you're talking anywhere from like 75 to a hundred bucks for, you know, essentially a six inch figure. Granted it's super premium, like the articulation, the detailing, the cloth materials, like, yeah, I mean, it's, you get what you pay for, but it's mm-hmm. like, whoo, initially I thought this was, Oh, AP. I just saw the daredevil one. Is that the one from the Netflix series? Yes. Yeah. Oh yes, my God. Oh, Oh, the captain Marvel one is beautiful. Holy wow. F- I didn't even know they made one of her. The ghost rider that comes with the motorcycle. Ooh. Wow. That's also like 240. Yeah, bucks. that's why I'm oofing cuz oof. Gosh, I really want to get the Mar- Captain Marvel one, but I do not I cannot justify spending that much money on like a action figure. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe wow. like other things I can justify spending that much money. On. She comes with like the swappable head with the helmet. Oh, I just saw it. it that it does look really cat. good. Uh, maybe that's a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd have like a lightning collection scale cat. Yo, it comes with the bomber jacket too. Dang. Oh, that's dope. Yo, I want this. I want this so bad. If I ever win the, if any of y'all win the lottery, buy me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it comes oh with- yeah, it comes with goose and oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mezco makes yeah. beautiful things, and I hope they continue the Power Rangers line with like other be pretty cool. characters. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I'm gonna get the Green Ranger. Like I said, I think I'm I'm kind of mighty morphed out. But yeah, I mean, if they decide to ever branch out the line, then yeah, for sure. But I don't know. It looks like they're just doing iconic characters, and if that's the case, then I'm fine with it. But yeah. If they do like a really nice like helmetless 
head to go with that. I, I basically have to see more. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, that would be a deal breaker for me. Like just the accessories. So if they if they showed more, because it looks like this was more like a prototype. Mm-hmm. I know the image was like heavily photoshopped. So we'll see. They got an 89 Batman that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> we all went down the Mezco toys hole. Uh, right? Oh, that's, those are some sexy toys. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, they look really good. If any of us win the lottery, we're buying each other some Mezco toys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're just buying each other figures. It's fine. Yeah. I, hey, I'm fine with that. But in a larger scale, Three Zero announces... The Mighty Morphin Red Ranger Dragon Shield figure. Now, previously, 3-0 has already announced uh, the rest of the Mighty Morphin team, but this is an exclusive through Previews World, which means you can order it through your comic shop or other sites that might carry this. This scale is one-sixth scale, so essentially double the size of... It's more like a 12 to 13-inch figure. New Edition joins 3-0's line of one-sixth scale with Mighty Morphin Red Ranger donning the Dragon Shield. This will be available in shops and comic shops July 28th of this year. Final orders are due exactly next month, March 22nd, starting at the $130 suggested retail price. The figure itself is only available for a thousand pieces. So we tweeted this when we first heard the news from previews and yeah, it's, if you're collecting that whole line, this is just another to add to your collection. If you're interested, that announcement is there. Yeah. So moving a bit into Dino Fury, before we talk about the first episode, in our last episode, we mentioned the episode titles and descriptions for the first three episodes. Well, there was a new episode title that was found for episode four through uh, some listings. There was no description, but the episode is called New Recruits, and that airs March 20th, so exactly one month from the premiere episode. Hmm. The week before, Dino Fury will be preempted by the Kids' Choice Awards Day. March 13th, there will be no... New episode of Dino Fury. Okay. So in the lead up to the premiere Dino Fury, Simon Bennett and the cast kind of made the rounds through different press outlets. The first one is from Sci-Fi Wire. And I I wanted to talk a a little bit about some of the things that were mentioned in there. So they talked about the like Super Sentai process of how they adapt the material. According to Simon Bennett, they had no idea when we were writing where Rue Soldier was going. We were still writing it as it was airing. Every week, the writers and I would sit down and watch an episode to try and work out what we could use and how we could fit it into our story arc. So no big surprise there. And then sci-fi pivoted by saying about, you know, the target audience, the length of seasons and saying that power Rangers tends to be far more episodic than serialized. And he said that they're trying to mainly for the adult fans, inject more serialized threads for our characters and for our villains this time around that can provide 
intrigue and suspense and allow us to use cliffhanger devices. They're trying to inject more of that into the season. One thing he did note is uh, there are culturally specific things about Sentai that may not translate so easily to an American audience. For instance, dinosaurs are universally popular with four to six year olds, whereas trains not quite as much as dinosaurs. So I don't know if that was a dig at mm. Tokyo Journal. <laughs> My heart. Ugh. He mentioned here, and I, I want to talk a little bit about this. There's a quote in here where they talked about if there's any pressure for older viewers since the Boom Studios comic series is happening, all of that. He said, the adult fans who may be watching the show and love Power Rangers are the most vocal critics of the show online, even though in terms of size, they're very much a niche audience compared to the kids the show is made for. I think those comics, as fantastic as they are, serve as a niche function compared to the audience of the show. Obviously, would like everyone who watches the show to love it. I don't like the show being hated. I don't like knowing that writers get hate mail or death threats. Oh, everyone is trying to make a show that as many people as possible will enjoy if you're out there sending death threats mm. to writers because you don't like a show you need help yeah yeah straight up nothing's that serious no nothing possibly deserves that no I, listen there have been seasons i didn't care for there have been seasons that i thought eh this is garbage i don't really need to finish watching this but i've never ever disliked something so much as to try and bully the writers via death threats like that is just inexcusable yeah it's like you said like there have been seasons i don't like seasons i maybe absolutely hated never once did i think to blame the writers no like very right. rarely is anything even things that make no sense like story-wise and usually there's like an overarching higher power involved that is mandating that mm -hmm. Right. And I realize it's not the writer's fault. They have rules just like any other job does, and they're just doing their best. And it's not like the writers are, you know, the only ones involved in that process. And yeah. in fact, I mean, that's where executive producers come in. That's where showrunners come in. That's where the company or the corporation itself that's running it comes in. Mm -hmm. And you have to go three or four levels deep before you even start talking about the writers. I mean, there's the directors, producers, the suits, you know, all that stuff before the writers are even brought into it. So look, I haven't been the biggest fan of Power Rangers the past few years. I've said it before, Becca Barnes, Alan Dale, I'm not the biggest fan of that work just from what they've uh, been attached to. But as we find out later in some of these interviews, the blame isn't all on them. No, not at all. They're just trying to do their job. And it's like, I'd argue none of the blame is on them. Right. If yeah. you're being like, as a nice like segue, like it's, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're forced to work with these kind of constraints, there's very little real creativity that you can accomplish. Right. And so sci-fi specifically talked about, are there any specific parameters or rules in which you guys have to operate while making the show? And I want to bring this up because we barely heard from Chip Lynn during his tenure at Power Rangers. Yeah. And the only time I remember them doing, mm -hmm. you know, really big press for it was when he came back 
for Dino Charge. And I remember a lot of outlets got to do that San Diego Comic-Con thing and specifically interview him. But, you know, that was when Dino Charge was first getting started, or I think it was even a little bit before that. But after that, we rarely heard from Chip. He was there at the, that one Power Morphicon, or a couple of them. And even the last Power Morphicon, 2018, like, I don't even think he talked. It was just like the, the one before that. So we have not heard a lot from Chip Lynn. But these interviews with Simon Bennett have been a lot more enlightening. And he's, it seems like he's talking more about kind of like the behind the scenes to, I don't know if it's, if alleviate the fan fan base is the right word, but he's actually dropping like some truth that he's like spilling the tea. He's spilling the tea. And it's what a lot of people have suspected, but we've never heard it confirmed until now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's wonderful that he's dropping this confirmation. It's, it's nice to have those certain fan theories confirmed mm-hmm. Or disproven as the case may be in some cases. What I also like is, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this in a bit, but you know, now he's on, he's on Ranger board. He's been very active on Twitter answering questions. He is a lot more, I think, hands on with the fan base. I mean, Chip Lynn didn't even have like a Twitter account (laughs) or anything, you know? Mm -hmm. So for good or bad, take that what you will having that access to the fan base, because we know there can be some really toxic and disgusting fans as that last comment about hate mail or, or death threats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the parameters or rules they talked about, there are ones that I've sort of inherited from power Rangers creator, Haim Saban. When he came back to the franchise halfway through a series, he felt the show wasn't hitting the right notes in order to capture a younger audience. The requirements became very specific It had to tick a number of boxes. There had to be a strong moral core, a lesson. There had to be a moving scene full of heart. And there had to be two ground fights and a Megazord fight every episode. There could be no serial threads. He believed very strongly that every episode had to work as a standalone. The only linked episodes that were allowed were two part finales or maybe an episode one and two of a season. Let's unpack that a bit, because if you have this list of checkboxes, that's pretty much what people have been complaining about. Every Mm -hmm. the forced moral lesson, a ninja steel was like renowned for that, Mm -hmm. where it was just like this ham fisted moral lesson. And you're like, what is happening? You know, the moving scene full of heart, like, oh, but we're really friends. And then, you know, two ground fights and a Megazord fight. That's a lot to pack into 20 minutes. And with those four or five requirements, sometimes those are the only things that you can fit in an episode. Mm -hmm. I feel sorry for the writers now officially knowing that this was the real thing that was actually happening and not just Mm -hmm. fan speculation. Like you said earlier, AP, it it leaves very little creativity in the writer's room. If you have to Mm -hmm. check off all these boxes, that's a lot of boxes to fit in one episode, every episode. Yep. You can't fit too much into what is it like 22, 23 minutes after commercials? 22 minutes. Yeah. 
there's very little you can fit into mm-hmm. 22, 23 minutes after all of those constraints are met. So Yeah. He said the other thing he was keen on, he being Heim Saban, was the idea of the comedy duo, which harkened back to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's why both Ninja Steel and Beast Morphers had the comedy duo characters. They had to use a big pinch of slapstick because that's the sort of broad physical comedy that appeals to younger viewers. So those are some of the rules to which the writers had to write. I felt that quite unfairly amongst the adult online community, the writers who are very clever people and very passionate about what they do because they're blamed for stuff that was outside of their control. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, being fans, maybe there are certain moments where you want to blame the writers, but then also it's like, I just find it hard to believe that writers would choose to do what they did every week. I felt like it was very clearly not... Like, their own doing. Well, I think we've talked about it before on the show where we've talked about how, man, it's so grating to see, oh, it's another fart joke from Victor and Monty, or Mm -hmm. oh, it's another, you know. And it's, at the time, I think we said, well, to be fair, we don't know if the writers are under some kind of constraint that they have to do that all the time. And Mm -hmm. now we know that they were encouraged heavily to include that kind of stuff. Yeah, and there are a couple times where I I have blamed the writers in the past, and that's unfair to them, but, you know, certainly never, like, let's fire these and, like, you know, send them death threats. Like, that's that's not right. That is way over the top. Too far a response. The fact that now that Simon is kind of voicing these concerns and... You know, he's he's almost calling it out and, and bringing light to it. But my God, I, I know people have hated the past few seasons, but just sending death threat, it's God. I mean, that's illegal. Like you can't send like, oh, I hope you die like that. You can't you can't do that. Yeah, it's just not right. And like, why would you do that? Yeah, it's, it's a just a television. It's just a television. It, exactly. show. You can stop, you can stop yeah. watching it if you don't like it that much. Exactly. Like, you're allowed to stop watching. I mean, anybody who's working on the show would hope that you don't stop watching. But it's like, if you don't like it that much, I feel like they'd prefer that you don't. Like, <laughs> don't continue to engage yourself with something that you hate so strongly. Right. Now, this is what he said about Dino Fury. Those kind of mandates have eased off with Dino Fury. We are able to do a lot more that I believe will appeal to the adult audience while maintaining the engagement of younger viewers. For example, we've been able to share the comedy around. There isn't a designated comedy character who will annoy the audience and distract from the Rangers story. There's now comedy in the villains or the Rangers. It's shared around. It's comedy played more through character or dialogue rather than elaborate gag sequences. We've been encouraged to do that, and I've really embraced it. It means we can be less predictable. And this is what I felt the show has been missing for the past eight, ten years. Yeah. Like with SPD or Dino Thunder, you know, you never had, you you know, like in, in SPD you had Piggy. But he was central to the plot as like this side villain character or kind of anti-hero character. And 
It was more in the dialogue, in the the characters' interactions with him. Same for Boom. Like, Boom could be considered a very slapsticky character, but he had moments where he really shined as a member of the team. And he was kind of like the heart of of SPD too, but you found natural moments of comedy in the characters in those Disney seasons. Yeah. I mean, like through, through their actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stuff with bridge, the, even in the first episode where it's the, the three of them in the training program and he's like, you yep. know, perp at nine o'clock and then Sid turns the wrong way. It's funny. Yeah. And, and it's smart. It's that smart dialogue. And you saw that a ton in Dino Thunder, like, you know, credit to Doug Sloan and, and Ann Austin, you know, who made Dino Thunder so amazing. And there was, you know, a comedy kind of character like um, with Cassidy and uh, Devin. But, you know, they had their own plot lines. They had yeah. their own serious moments. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with having these extra side characters. But the approach of what Simon Bennett is talking about, about spreading the comedy around, then it's more natural in the writing. Mm -hmm. And one of the lines in this premiere, I really like the interaction between Amelia and her boss. Yeah. You know, the cross fingers like, Oh yeah, I got permission. Like we can see that as the audience, like stuff like that, where it's like, Oh, that's clever. And even the lip, the lip gloss thing goofy glowing lip gloss like clearly that was like a comedy bit mm-hmm. and it was kind of it was kind of funny yeah and it's it's like true to life like hey boss i did the that you really want me to do but hey can i can i now, do can this I do other piece thing i want to do i was just say the yeah. the bit of comedy in that scene that made me laugh like an idiot was when they're walking past the girl who's doing the arts and crafts tutorial and she goes and remember don't eat the glue. Like I just made me laugh like an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, it's like little moments and side dialogue <laughs> like that, yeah. that they're talking about that Simon is talking about spreading the comedy and yeah, Power Rangers is funny. There's always been funny moments in Power Rangers. And I think what crystallized the past few years for our online adult audience which is very niche. We need to remember yeah. that us adult fans are, we're not the target and we are the vocal minority. We are very vocal about what we want power Rangers to be and what we want it to do and all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not meant for us. We can talk about it all we want, but at the end of the day, it's for kids and they don't have to do anything to appease the adult yeah, fan base. They really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could make it a preschool show if they really wanted to. That's their prerogative. Like you said, I'm glad that we're learning more from Simon. I'm glad he's kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. than previous years. Like he said, with the idea of spreading the comedy around, the show is going to do better in that very vocal minority fan base because of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that was the really key takeaway from the sci-fi interview, which I thought overall was, was generally great. There was also a interview from comic book. They not only interviewed the cast, which was a fun video in itself, but they also, again, they also interviewed uh, Simon Bennett. So one of the things that they talked about with this premiere, just focusing on three Rangers at the start, 
because they said for this premiere, we had 22 minutes and 30 seconds to tell a story in an episode. So we got a, what's the fundamental story that's driving the season? Who are the good guys? Who are the villains? What's the premise? What's the world? And, you know, when you look at that, that's a challenge that they have. And I kind of like the Dino Charge route that they took on that because Dino Charge was very similar. Dino Charge only focused on like Tyler and, and Shelby in the beginning. And it was the other Rangers that they met along the way throughout those first early episodes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're seeing Javi or Izzy until like episode four or five yeah. of, of this show. So we're, we're going to be with Ollie, Amelia and Zato you know, for these core three episodes in the beginning. Yeah. That's what Simon Bennett said here too. He said, uh, you'll meet the first five Rangers within the first four or five episodes. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler and I can't say anything more beyond that. Mm -hmm. So that was another great interview. There's one bit in here where we're still filming. We're only about halfway through the shoot right now. So they're essentially done with the first season, 22 episodes or whatever. Yeah. The other article that I wanted to highlight was from uh, CNET of all places. Not sure why they're talking about Power Rangers, <laughs> but obviously Simon Bennett as executive producer has uh, transitioned the role from Chip Lynn. Uh, he said he had a long transition period with Chip Lynn. We worked together probably 18 months before he returned to the States where I walked through his role with him, saw what was involved, but this isn't entirely new for me because I've worked as creative producer showrunner role in New Zealand, such as uh, Madigan's quest, the almighty Johnson's and long running adult dramas like outrageous fortune and the soap opera, Shortland street. So Simon Bennett isn't new to this no, and he's, he's not new to kid shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's directed so many episodes of the past seasons, but now he's got that larger role to it. I'm not going to read the whole interview, but they talked about the pandemic and how it affected the casting, how they were able to do the casting. And I know in the comic book interview with the cast, which was a very fun interview, I'll say that again. And even uh, Chris Cantata. Uh, also did an interview with the cast, which was a lot of fun, but they talked about, they essentially met each other at the airport as they were going to New Zealand, <laughs> which is crazy. The other one I wanted to get from this CNET interview, he talked about the gender switch of the green Ranger, which we'll talk about later. Cause it's something I want to point out from the episode that really hasn't provided a lot of difficulties for us. The reason we did it was we wanted more female representation on the show and the Sentai didn't give us that it had been done historically in the past with power Rangers. The morphing process does interesting things to people's physiques. People can get shorter or taller. They can switch gender physiques as well. It's just something I think once it's established will not be too much of an issue for the audience. I'm really happy with our character and we've also, across the board, not just with the range of characters, try to address diversity in our casting and representation. And then they also talked about kind of like the history of streaming and again, reiterating changes that they're doing with Dino Fury. And one last mention here that I want to point out is uh, the buzz blast setting, because 
Uh, they said it's a clear parody of BuzzFeed. Is this workplace going to become the new hangout for the cast? We all knew this. Like he confirmed there's a certain number of studio sets in the show and traditional studio sets have been a monster base and a ranger base. And then what we call a social set which in Ninja Steel was a school and Beast Morphers was a gym. Those are the large studio sets. They didn't want to do high school again because they wanted to age up the teams this season. And we thought it would be a cool place that could be a workplace and hang out for our team members and can also bring story through the door. And the idea of a social media agency felt contemporary. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. So I highly recommend reading these interviews, checking out some of the videos. There was some great insights this past weekend, right before the premiere. I just want to talk about this episode. Yeah. This was good. It was really good. It was pretty dang good. It was so good. I have a hard time wrapping my head around my feelings for this episode. Uh-huh. It was that good. It's it's almost everything that I feel like we've wanted in mm-hmm. a Power Rangers episode for the past, since Samurai, probably. I don't know if I'd go that far back, but... Yeah, I I wouldn't go that far back, at at least for me, because we've been doing this podcast since freaking, like, Megaforce and Super Megaforce. We we were all pretty jazzed about Dino Charge, and Beast Morphers wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was Mm -hmm. like a breath of fresh air in certain ways. But this was like all the best parts of all of them combined. Right. I can go with that, yeah. Right. Yeah. And to me, overall, it felt like a new start, because... Not just with, you know, the new executive producer. They also brought in some new directors this season. I know Charlie Haskell, who directed this episode, he's done Power Rangers uh, stuff before. But I know they brought in Michael Hurst to direct a chunk of episodes. And you might know him as Aeolus from Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. You guys remember Hercules? I never watched Hercules as a kid. He... He was he was Hercules' sidekick. Well, that actor went on to become a, a like a pretty amazing director in in New Zealand. Uh, okay. So, he's he's directing a bunch of of those. But what my point is is like with Simon Bennett as a new executive producer on Twitter, he said, "Hey, look, we've got a new VFX team. We've got new second unit directors. We've got this and that." And it just feels new. Yeah. And I think we all noticed that all of us in, in our little group, just the direction and the camera and how dynamic. The cinematography. Yeah. The coloring, just like everything. I was going to say, AP, you made the comment on Twitter that the cinematography, the way the show was being shot sometimes felt like Doctor Who. Yeah, it reminded me so much of the transition between the 12th Doctor and the 13th Doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How the show just had a completely different like shooting style after that. Yeah. It's still the same show like underneath it all, but it's more cinematic. Oh yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. It's less like bright skies and it's more real. Like it, just it everything... feels more natural. Yeah. Yes. Everything's way more natural. And I know we talked uh last episode about, you know, the the fight choreographer coming back from the, the Disney era. Mm-hmm. Boy, yeah, that was nostalgia instantly. When they started fighting the henchmen, that fighting style was pure Disney era, awesome acrobatics and like fun comedy dodging. Mm -hmm. And like that, that was a a hit of nostalgia for me watching that fight choreography on screen. 
Well, I will say that Simon Bennett did confirm because someone asked about that, you know, stunt coordinator. Simon Bennett said that a lot of the fights are with the second unit director. And that is longtime director for Power Rangers since the very beginning. That's Yuji Noguchi. Mm. And he's been with the franchise since like the second season of Mighty Morphin. He was initially part of the Putty Patrollers. He was the Tangas. Oh, wow. The Cogs. Oh, and wow. then in Time Force, he was the stunt coordinator. In Wild Force, he was the action choreographer and stunt coordinator. After Wild Force, he came back to SPD as a second unit director, where, you know, he did second unit direction on pretty much the entire series. Yeah. And it goes on. Power Rangers, Mystic Force as well. Samurai, additional material directed by Akihiro Noguchi. And it goes on. Like, you go to GreenRanger.com, you look at his filmography, and he's touched, like, 90% of Power Rangers. Dang. So, for that legacy to continue, but with the other stunt coordinator coming back, the action in this first episode was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're introduced to Amelia and Buzz Blast, first of all. And I just want to talk about Amelia a little bit. I, I think Hunter Dino played her with she and AP, you've said this before, like a real person. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it's not it's not fake. It doesn't come across as like, oh, it's it's another pink ranger or I'm the girl who likes ghosts, and that's, like, my only aspect to my dialogue and personality and actions. Like, it was more than that. Yes, it was. I think how she, she was acted and how even Zato at the end of the episode described her, she's a go-getter. Mm -hmm. And you see that immediately in this first scene with her boss, Jane. Mm -hmm. She's asking permission for something that she is passionate about doing after she got her other work done. Yep. And mm -hmm. that shows initiative, that shows drive. And we're also introduced to, to Ollie and, and Zato throughout the episode. But for me, the standout character of this episode was Amelia. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. It almost seems like she's the, the the star of the show. Like, Granted, Power Rangers is a team show. There is no mm -hmm. one star. But the way that she kind of owned that role and had most of the focus this episode really, like, you can tell she's got a good career ahead of her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I just love it that we had essentially a kind of a pink ranger focus episode i mean for for you know the first half of this yeah almost and we get to see it from her perspective this is like the hero's journey and she's able to meet ollie they then meet zato and solon but i think what i'm trying to say is like i really liked how the episode just kind of unfolded and progressed in a very natural way yeah yeah we're also introduced to Ollie and his mother, Dr. Akana. We're also introduced to the park warden, who was Warden Garcia. And if you've been paying attention, Javi and Izzy's last name is Garcia. I believe we just met their dad. I did not even put two and two together like that. <laughs> that is Dang. their dad. 
Oh my gosh, I did not even consider that. And that gives them an excuse to be in the forest to eventually become Power Rangers and stumble upon Zato's ship. Wow. Boom. Okay. (laughs) I feel so stupid for not putting that together, but... No, no, no. I, I think it's I think it's a little detail that a lot of people miss. Yeah. But you see the humor in the dialogue in that scene because Amelia's like, all right, great, here comes Warden Buzzkill. And then, you know, Dr. O'Connor's like, ah, Warden Buzzkill. Yeah. And <laughs> I it, it's it's a play on words. It was so stupid, but I I chuckled oh, because yeah. I'm like that's the natural that's comedy. smart. Yep. That's the natural comedy that they're doing this season. Yeah, like it makes sense for her to think that that's his name because she's new to town. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, uh, yes, oh, Warden yes. Buzzkill. Lovely to meet you, Warden Buzzkill. And he's like, it's Warden Garcia. Dull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great moment. And then I want to talk about Ollie a little bit because the exchange between him and and Amelia already sets off their relationship. You've got Amelia who is into, you know, the cryptozoology. She's into aliens and yeah. the supernatural and the paranormal and ghosts and aliens and, and all this stuff. Ollie's mom is literally like a paleontologist doctor <laughs> and he's very, uh, I believe in science and facts and, Oh my God, you believe in ghosts. Like what? I hard disagree on that. <laughs> I love that whole exchange because, you know, even though they're friendly with each other, there's still two very opposing viewpoints. And it's funny because later on in the episode, he's like, oh yeah, you watch the news, we'll get Zords. And so he knows about Power Rangers, but it's like, okay, but ghosts taking it a little step too far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, have you, have you seen what happened in Mariner Bay? I mean, those aren't ghosts, but demons are like, you know, the next, the next stage over. Yeah, really. (laughs) What do we think about Ollie? I mean, I liked him. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a nice counterpoint to Amelia. I liked how he took the initiative in the fight at the base. Um, Yes. He stepped up. He protected Solon. He couldn't stand back. He saw them about to like attack her and he's like i can't i can't sit back and watch this yeah Mm -hmm. grabbed a sword and he he did what he had to do i love that little moment where he like sees everything going down with void knight and he just looks at the wall of of the swords Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that is showing not telling yeah yeah and even just the little line later like Oh, I did karate, and I also did uh, fencing. And I also did fencing, yeah. and Amelia's like, "Okay, well then you take the lead because we have these swords." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I just natural dialogue and um, mm-hmm. a good way to get out aspects of their characters too. Yeah, it, it's, exactly. It's going to be great to see Ali's character grow over the course of the series. I mean, you know, having him start out as kind of a skeptic, he's the new kid in town. And so he doesn't really know anybody. He runs into Amelia and they instantly now have this bond over finding a Power Ranger and becoming Power Rangers and fighting monsters. Like, this is going to be fun to see his character 
develop like that over the course of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things I, I wanted to note in the uh, Chris Cantata interview with the cast that I watched, Chris asked Kai Moya, who's the actor, like point blank, what do you think about the Asian representation that you're bringing to the show? And he said, look, I'm, I'm Hawaiian. I'm part Filipino, which, you know, my wife was like, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) There it is. That's, that's why representation matters. And the last name in the show, Akana, that references Kai Moya's heritage to, for being Hawaiian. And that mix of like, oh yeah, I'm part Filipino. I'm Hawaiian. That representation too is, is so important. Yeah, it's like a far, I hate to say it, but it's a far cry from when they completely tried to like whitewash Jake in Megaforce, mm-hmm. um, like Jake Calling. It's right. uh, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not saying that couldn't have been his name, but it's they could have embraced his like, background. Yeah. Yes. They absolutely could have, but I think the fact that once they cast Kai Moya, I mean, you can just change a last name in a script. And I think that became important. Like, we want the name to also represent the heritage. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. It absolutely is. We're also introduced to the big bad this season with Void Knight. Beams down from who knows where, from some ship in space probably i'm actually very curious to see what that set looks like what that ship looks like i'd be very interested to see that but for void night like i'm kind of iffy on the voice i i would have hoped for something a little bit more more menacing but i'm kind of mixed on it i have always lately ever since I, i i didn't watch a lot of rue soldier but you know, when I saw that Super Sentai team-up special before Rue Soldier aired, that brought back a lot of people, kind of like an anniversary type of event. Ever since that special, I absolutely love that suit design. It's bad. It's purple, which we don't see a lot of in Power Rangers. With his shield, with his sword, it really reminded me of of Korag slash uh, Wolzard. Yeah. Off that note, there was a line in there. Yep. Where Zato said, where did you get that armor? Yes. So I'm almost wondering if there's like a person beneath that mm-hmm. suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe another, like a fellow Rafcon person. Or It could be. There's something or someone underneath that suit. And I'm curious to see. What becomes of Oh, that. yeah. I know in Rue Soldier, that was a big plot point in, in that series. So for them to turn that around into uh, Void Knight, and that's such a cool name. And <laughs> we'll talk about it later, but there, you know, there is mention of, of the Morphin Masters. We'll talk all about that. Yeah. But I do want to highlight, if we're also pulling stuff from Boom Comics, the whole big thing in Beyond the Grid... That was after Shattered Grid that brought in some of the more lore for the Morphin Masters. It took place in an area, another dimension outside of ours called the Void. He's Void Knight. Ooh, that's Oh my God. Oh. And the Void is where one of the Morphin Masters was banished to because he went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh. And he became an evil Morphin Master in that dimension. That was the whole point of the comic. So I'm like, hmm, Void Knight, the Void, 
color of purple, which was very significant in the comic. If they tie that into the comic, like what they're, <laughs> what they're trying to do with the Morphin Masters, I am so freaking here for it. So mm. you're right, AP, when, when there was that line of like, where did you get that armor? I was like, oh, and why? Why is he so focused on a power source? And this is what I love about the villain setup for this season, because not only are the good guys scared of the Sporex, but Void Knight is too. He just wanted to use them as a power source. And when they escaped, it's not like he's working with them. Both the good guys and the bad guys are thinking that the Sporex are, it's it's almost like a virus. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, I really like the Sporex. Oh my God. The whole, I the love whole that story effect. behind that. Yeah. We'll get to the story. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the story. But just the design alone, like, you know, this kind of like snotty. And then when it, when the monster comes out of it and it's like, pop, 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 pop. I don't know. I thought that was just really satisfying. <laughs> and Uh, And kind of the setup where Void Knight isn't going to be controlling them. He might be controlling this one, but the others that kind of spread into the environment are going to hatch on their own Mm -hmm. at any time. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a great new premise for this season. Yeah. In their, I don't want to call it the snot form, but in their snot form, uh, (laughs) it reminded me of those toys. Maybe you guys remember them from when you were younger. That are like the balls with the like spikes on them. Not really spikes, but like the, the the triangles or the squares or whatever that like vibrated and bounced around a lot. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Like, like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Like I'm about. thinking, like man, they could do that with Sporix. Have Sporix balls like that that like jiggled around and vibrated. That'd be a, that would that'd be, be a neat way to 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 sell more toys. <laughs> As if Power Rangers needs any more of that. <laughs> I don't know. I just like the aesthetic of like alien egg virus thing yeah that's neat just mm-hmm. even the like special effects for that was it was neat like eric said i want to go back to yeah the void knight suit is amazing the henchmen are, are interesting and unique oh. i loved the way they crumbled when they were defeated like putties yes mm-hmm. uh, and i love the fact that they were supposed to be guardians helping the heroes and then void knight said nope mine now that is such a great twist for the season's foot soldiers. Yeah. Yep. Just doing that, like, oh nope, this key is mine now. Yep. I'm I'm gonna be controlling these. And even Zato, when he wa- was unlocked from um his stasis, was like, What is going on here? What is this? Yeah. Oh, I just I love that fight. But yeah, the henchmen being something that was originally meant for the good guys, but now is fighting for void Knight, is, mm-hmm. is such a great concept. And it's a good name it too. Is. I really like the name for them. It's so simple, but it's like satisfying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and you think when Dino Henge was formed and then just calling them, you know, henchmen, it's simple. Cause it's like a few letters away from henchmen, yeah. but it's, it's just that twist too. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Another, uh, thing I kind of wanted to note, uh, I guess here is a good place as I need to talk about it. When Ali and Amelia were hiding and they were watching Void Knight, you saw they were hiding behind a display case of all the different keys. Yes. You know? 
I love that this is not going to be a season of, oops, all these keys got lost and we have to find them now. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't going to be a, a or, fetch season. Or, look, or like, I pulled oh, this look. out of my butt. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, like- <laughs> you have randomly earned the power of this team. Why? I don't know. You recycled today. You get this key. You yeah. showed love yeah. for the environment. <laughs> you can now access the RPM powers. <laughs> But yeah, just more of that show, don't tell. We saw those yep. keys on that rotating display mm-hmm. case, so they, we know. They weren't even mentioned. Yeah. They weren't even mentioned. They, they were not. They were just, hey, look, here's a thing. You're going to use these keys eventually. And, you know, me, like, pausing the video, like, oh, oh my God, they're all there. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. like going yeah, through it. That's what I did, too. Yep. Like, I was like, oh. I When I watched me. it, because I, I watched it again, and I said, okay, so there, there's, oh, look at that. Okay, there's the keys. They have them all, so they're not going to go looking for them. Okay, cool. And then, oh, there's that. Okay, cool. Okay. Well, even the um, even the henge knight key to summon the henchmen, that was never in Rue Soldier. They customized a key yeah. and used that for the show. So we're already getting, first episode, we're getting original keys. Yeah. It's great. I love it. I'm a huge sucker for props and set design and, and all of that. And I, I will say that, you know, initially we had our thoughts when all those pictures leaked, but seeing it in action, I'm really digging the hell out of the set. It's one yeah. it's one thing to see it in a static picture. It's another to see it mm-hmm. being used. It's a nice set. Shelving is is pretty universal, even uh, 65 million years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, I think that was my only thing. I was just like, oh, it's like they took the shelves from... Uh, uh, grid battle force and you know i had them here <laughs> but otherwise no it's 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 a really nice looking set one of the comments that simon bennett made on ranger board he said in my head the henchmen and zato were there to guard the sporex in stasis should they ever be required to repel intruders solon was the caretaker who kept things ticking over it was a long 65 million years for Solon. She kept herself busy by cultivating the lichen and fungi. So we see that in the background yeah. uh, of the set. Cooking, making occasional forays outside for red meat, and since the 1940s, watching a lot of television. Dr. Arcana's skin interfered with the defense mechanism, which allowed Void Knight to gain access. Oh, that's interesting. And then someone yeah. replied to him and said, it also begs the question of how Solon isn't drooling into the carpet insane after spending 65 million years in the same room eating dirt. <laughs> and uh, he said, she upgrades her firmware from time to time and meditates. <laughs> like, I like that. Okay. I, okay. I, I like that there's a backstory. Yeah, there, the, you know? that's Solon is interesting as a character because she's not an... As far as we know, granted, we only have had one episode with her. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily the mentor. She's the sidekick. Yeah. She's yeah. just been there to keep watch over the place. She's essentially the Alpha Five because, mm-hmm. you know, eventually when she does wake Zato up, he's the one in control. He's the one in charge saying, well, hey, what's been going on? And Solon's clearly got like some kind of wild backstory of her own some kind of fighter because she said she was um like gravely injured in battle yeah so yeah 
What was what was her past? How mm-hmm. did she end up here? All right, Boom Studios, I need a one-shot backstory comic for Solon, <laughs> all right? I, I need it. <laughs> so so we talked about Void Knight. We're we're talking about Solon. I'm I'm very interested in her character. Another great uh, suit design by Tracy Collins, who's the production designer. She also did last year's or last season's Scrozzle yeah. costume. Obviously, fantastic original creation for Dino Fury, a companion to Zato. All right, we need to talk about Zato. We need to talk about this this flashback. We need to talk about all of that. I got shades of Doctor Who. Okay, explain. Explain. Okay. So, <laughs> so those that might not be familiar with Doctor Who. I mean, I am, Yeah, but. no, no, I got, like, well, my first vibe came from just his voice and his demeanor. He's got a good mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. He's clearly seen seen some things, done some things, lived through some things. Like, he's got a whole life. Yeah. He's not just some random alien who showed up with Power Ranger abilities. And, I mean, he's confident, knows what he's doing, but, like, there's something haunting him. Mm-hmm. And those flashbacks- Oh my Gosh, those, god! Those flashbacks were like amazing yeah. when he was fighting with the dinosaurs and the knights and the dang. It's and, and when everything was kind of like on fire a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got flashbacks to like the time war in Doctor Who. Oh, nice! Yeah, I can see that. I was describing it to someone on Twitter. Um, I apologize; I don't remember their name exactly, but it reminded me so much of like the Ninth Doctor because mm-hmm. it's like. He's clearly got, like, some optimism. He's, like, ready for, like, the adventure. But there's something that's bothering him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. his past, he he's not proud of it. I mean, I wanted to say, kind of speaking to that point, AP, that you're talking about of, like, he has this sort of grim backstory. The whole tone of the show shifted after that fight. Like, they had the yeah. fight. Yes. They cleared out the foot soldiers. Yes. Void Knight ran away. And then Ollie and Amelia are standing there like, hey, hey, cool, we saved the day, we're, you know, hey, all right. And Sato's just like, uh, no, let me explain everything because this is only yeah. just beginning and you need to know the whole backstory. And that mm-hmm. shift in tone to a much more serious, like, I'm a Rafconian or Rafconanite, or I don't know what they're going to call the plural version of that, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, he and he says, you know, me and some other Rafcon knights came to Earth to stop these creatures because they destroyed our home world and they're gonna destroy yours. And when he said they didn't make it, when he's like, Oh, they didn't make yeah. it, and like clearly he was just so like Yeah. Like clearly that's one of the things that's haunting him. Exactly. Like, yep. His team's gone. And he's still here and the de- the delivery that sealed the deal for me was when Solon said it's been 65 million years and his whole expression change and the weight of the situation delivered in one line when he said million. Yeah. I was like, dang, Russell Curry, you like nailed that pain, that anguish, that shock in one line, the look that he gave Mm -hmm. it instantly communicated the pain that he was feeling in that moment. And that was amazing. And like the delivery, perfectly subtle, not over the top Mm -hmm. cartoony, like we would have gotten in previous power Ranger seasons. Like it was just that sincere, genuine shock 
and pain, like you mm-hmm. said, Eric, uh-huh. of just like yep. million. If this were an adult show, he would have said something like a million. Like he would have like he oh, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that it's, it's just the way he was able to, to deliver that line. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. you didn't need anything else no, to was, communicate it was, it was that great. moment. And, and yeah. And again, uh, you know, we mentioned his voice. I want to listen to him, like read the phone book to me. Like he's got a fantastic <laughs> voice. And I feel like part of that is a testament to the fact that he's not like 17 years exactly. old. Exactly. He is older. The fact that they, they did older rangers. In his early 30s. Yep. And I think a lot of it is a testament to just his own age and life experience. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Gosh, it's, this is like the Red Ranger that I've been like, I don't know, kind of wanting. Because it's a Red Ranger that feels like a leader. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like someone who's lived a life, not just some like kid who got red powers and he's like, oh, I'm the leader because I'm red. Yeah. He didn't have to grow into being the Red Ranger. We're meeting him as a fully-fledged Red Ranger already. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. you know, yeah. when we talked about episode descriptions and we talked about, uh, you know, how there's going to be an episode where Ollie is questioning his place on the team. And I commented like, oh, normally that's a Red Ranger focus episode. That's weird that it's a Blue Ranger focus this time around. Now we know why. Yeah. We know why because yeah. we know that the Red Ranger has been the Red Ranger for a very long time and he's used to being the leader. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. explains, you know, some of my earlier trepidations about like, oh, that's weird that they're doing it different. Why are they doing it different? This is why yeah. they're doing it. And he was like a full blown like space alien yeah. right? before yep. that. Yeah. Like he was part of like an elite defense squad before he became and can a I ranger. Just say that scene of him riding the Tyrannosaurus into battle. Can I just that's awesome. The one that's in the opening yeah. credits? Yeah. Or the Okay, yes. So I, I just want to know in the video version of the comic book interview, because the interviewer got to see that first episode first, they, they all did in, in that press tour. They mentioned that scene and how, you know, impactful it was and, and that whole flashback. And, and Simon Bennett said that they storyboarded the hell out of that whole sequence. Like, no effect shot was wasted. Nothing was done extra. They filmed exactly what they needed. That was the most planned and hardest thing to do in the episode. And it shows. Oh, yeah. They gave yes. the everything storyboarded. The visual effects people knew what to do. Those are like the best looking dinosaurs that we've had on, on Power Rangers. The best CGI dinosaurs, I, I think. And it just worked and yeah that whole sequence was incredible when i saw the morphin masters i'm sorry but i lost my (laughs) because they look exactly i mean there's obvious changes but it's taken directly from the boom comics what we know about the morphin masters which before before the comics was like a throwaway line in like episode six of mighty morphin in big sisters it was just like Millions of years ago with the power eggs and the, the Morphin Masters. And it it's a throwaway line from Zordon. And the comics took it, ran with it, and now Dino Fury is, is fully embracing it. And mm-hmm. one of the things I, I want to... One of the posts from Simon Bennett in the Ranger Board thread, he said, We had two Morphin Master costumes made by Toei one male and one female. They were filmed against green screen and composited into plate shots. 
There were digi dolls in the wide shots. The capes and color accents are done in visual effects. They were designed by Tracy Collins, our production designer, along with the Solon costume. We looked at the boom designs, but designed our own that would be practical for filming and story purposes. Toei are specialists in making these kinds of suits that will look great and also be robust enough to withstand months of filming. They also look strange because they are filmed off speed to give that otherworldly dreamlike quality. Nice. Holy. That's amazing. They were yes. incredible. Yeah. And yes. I mean, you know, I was watching it live as it was airing, which I get to do again now that I live on the East Coast, where it's slightly on later than it was in Chicago. And the moment that happened, and he's like, then the Morphin Masters appeared. And I went, wait, what? 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 <laughs> like, it completely caught me off guard. I was so excited. And I was kind of scrolling through Twitter as I was watching, and seeing other people have that same freak out was just like, oh my god, I'm freaking out with you guys. This is amazing. Uh, like, yeah, uh, it, it was perfect. And getting mm-hmm. that sort of cross continuity with the comics is wonderful for, you know, the, the long-term fans. Mm-hmm. And I love the world building aspect oh, of yeah. it. As someone who's not as familiar with the comics, like I know basically what's happening, but I'm not right. called up and I'm not really like a loyal reader. It's just the world building aspect of introducing the morphing ma- Morphin Masters and they're the ones who control the powers and mm-hmm. create them for the most part. It explains a lot. Yeah, that's what they were able to set the story and catch people up to speed. I think that was the best scene in the entire episode mm-hmm. because in that three-minute sequence or two to three-minute sequence, boom, we know everything we need to know going forward. And there's enough room there to keep exploring that past yep. with Zato. Yep. And it gave us just enough to be like, holy crap, I know the premise. I mean, this has confirmed so many things that us longtime Power Ranger fans have wanted. We want to know who the hell the Morphin Masters are. You know, for all those people who are like, oh, the comics aren't canon. Well, I mean, they are now more than ever yep. because they've incorporated that literally. The, the You got the producer mentioning Boom Comics in all these interviews and the direct mm-hmm. inspiration from the designs that are in the comic. Yeah. Like, it's all connected. We are now in a Power Rangers multiverse and Ooh. people need to accept that. I just got chills. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I just want to say that just yeah. as a quick kind of wrap up with what we're talking about with the story of Zato and all that, you know, he comes out of that flashback and they're standing there like, wow. Okay. So what's next? And he's like, well, you need to train. And he's mm-hmm. absolutely right because yes, being a Power Ranger gives you the power, but they are absolute rookies compared to Zato. Mm-hmm. And he needs to have them trained, if not on his level, at least close to his level, so that he can work efficiently with them in the field. Mm-hmm. This is like yep. this is like a longtime cop having to deputize two people and be like, okay, you guys are cops also now. Uh, let's get you up to speed on the law so you know what you're doing. That's important, I think, that a lot of seasons have glossed over. Beast Morphers, they mentioned training, but like with Dino charge they were just like oh yeah we're power rangers now we know how to fight we're good that's zato taking that that mentor role yeah and we don't necessarily have to have a quote-unquote mentor 
Zato is the mentor. He is the Red Ranger. It's almost like shades of in space. Yes. Yeah. Aspect. Mm-hmm. It's like Andros is the veteran leader. He knows what's up. He knows what's kind of going on. And I mean, the other ones had been Rangers at that point, but all that aside, it's like he's introducing them to his Yeah, world. I, I yeah. also want to say it's also kind of shades of 2017 movie where you had yes. Zordon yep. as the Red Ranger of his team 65 million years ago. Yes. And he lost, and he lost all his of team. his team. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you're getting the same thing with Zato. And even Zato's stasis chamber being a tube like that is kind of shades of Zordon. Oh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't make that connection, but yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. So like, yeah, having Zato as that seasoned veteran ranger now training a new team. Yeah, you're right, Eric. He is, he is both the mentor and, and the red ranger. And that's interesting to have because it's not something we've had in a season in a very long time. Like AP said, very since in long. space. Yep. That's why Zato's character intrigues me so much. Oh, yeah. It's because he's got such a dark history and I totally agree with AP that shot of him and the other knights in the burning wreckage of Rafcon. It looked so good. It reminded me of that scene in SPD when Doggy Kruger is explaining the fall of his planet. And it reminded me so much of that. Well, the fight continues because they destroyed my planet, but I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that stops it from destroying anything else. And the fact that with Zato, you know, there is that stoic quality. There is that when, when he was using his empathic or telepathic abilities to, you know, find out who they were, there was such like a stoic, I know what's going on, but I'm kind of showing off a little <laughs> like he's not in complete Vulcan mode. Like he cracks smiles. He's like just the thrill of, of training them. He's like, well, you guys are power Rangers, but you got a lot of training to do. Like he's excited to like get back into the fight, Yeah, but mm-hmm. there's still all of that baggage that he has from losing the fight. He said, it's not a victory you celebrate. Yeah. What a great line that was. Yeah, that was a perfect Mm -hmm. line. Absolutely. I think there's a great warmth to Zato Mm -hmm. that will be expanded upon the more he's able to deal with the trauma. Yeah. Because like there's 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 hints Mm -hmm. of the warmth now. Like you said, when he's smiling as he's telling them about his telepathic abilities or when he's sort of giving them a proud smile when he's talking about training them to be Power Rangers. There is that warmth there that I think will definitely grow over the course of the season. Yeah. And, and that's all I want. That's what I I want. And the, the natural progression of the characters of the story elements after seeing the first episode and before that, having watched these videos and seen those interviews, I can tell it wasn't Simon Bennett just blowing smoke. Right. It was, Mm-hmm. He sincerely meant it. I'm going to take his comments at face value. I'm a little bit still cautiously optimistic, leaning more so on the optimism now after seeing the first episode. Yeah. But I want to know where the story goes. Absolutely. And I'm excited for it. But I also have to keep in mind I've been in this position before where 
in seasons yeah. past, you know, you get all excited because the premiere is amazing. And then by the hiatus, you're like, what? <laughs> and so if they're, if they're really going to keep the, those story elements and that plot line going, I would love to see because they know when the hiatus is going to happen. They've been doing it for over 10 years on Nickelodeon. Like mm-hmm. they know what the parameters are. Let's build that first arc and have that hiatus, like that episode right before the hiatus, be a cliffhanger, be a surprising moment. Yeah. And we got a little bit of that with, with Beast Morphers, with the, the Gold Ranger debuting. So I I want that mystery to carry us through the hiatus. I, I, I like the excitement. And Beast Morphers season one, I thought was was great. And season two was also good in my eyes. But there were still things that I think it suffered th- from plot-wise where it's like, you know, stuff like the Ranger Vault, which could have been hinted at much earlier in the story. I don't want to get into all that. But what I'm saying is I think Dino Fury in this first episode has already set up a lot of great potential story plot lines. And I even noticed it in the fight because if you... If you've seen the pictures we posted on our site that were taken from the Power Rangers main site, if you read that and you read the hints, in that fight, Zato kicks one of the henchmen and they go flying into that little tower-looking device, which you see pictures from future episodes that they're setting it up in the woods. I think that's that communication device of like what Zato is trying to contact his people. Mm. So that was damaged. And then Void Knight drops his scanner thing, which we already know. Oh, and know. The, the camera focused on it too. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. And we know from the second episode description that Ollie is using that device to reverse engineer it and track them. So they're already setting up these little seeds of, of stuff that's going to happen. And I really think that this first episode just set a solid foundation for the first mm-hmm. part of this season. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I said on Twitter, if this is any indication of like quality to come, like even partial quality to come, it's going to be nothing but good things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in my eyes, if this is any indicator. We don't know. There's no confirmation. But if this is the last kids television series part of the brand or if this is the last time that they're using sentai or doing this formula or being in new zealand or whatever happens i almost feel like it's an rpm situation where the parent company is a little bit more hands-off there's a new executive producer there's some new exciting things happening and you know with with the rpm example where you know eddie gazalian may have like fumbled the budget and you know there was technical things that where they had to get rid of him or whatever but this is not simon bennett's like first rodeo he's done soap operas he's done dramatic series he's done fantasy slash kid series he's directed power rangers for a number of years Mm -hmm. i think him as an executive producer he knows the talent in new zealand he crafted this and, and Chiplin's not fully gone in the credits. He's listed as like a creative producer, which is the first time that title has been in power Rangers. So Chiplin's involvement, or at least on the planning stages is still there. 
And even Simon mentioned that in the interview about him shadowing Chip Lynn mm-hmm. for, for all that. But what I'm trying to say is, is that it feels like an RPM situation in where they are able to take a little bit more risk tell a a broader more maybe a slightly more mature story you know age it up from the four to six to maybe the the eight to eleven demographic and Mm -hmm. you know give a little bit of those things for fans and we talked about we've seen pictures of mick from a previous season they're bringing in some of these elements from past seasons Stuff like the Boom Comics, the Morphin Masters, something that was from the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, name dropped one time, brief clip on the viewing globe. Don't know what the hell that all that's about when we were growing up. It's just some funny thing. And for them to turn that into lore in the first episode that, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Power Rangers, this this is probably the oldest team of Power Rangers on Earth. 65 million years. They were there from the beginning. And mm-hmm. fighting who knows how long on Earth th- th- with the Sporex, enough to at least his whole team is gone, and they just have the swords and and, and the keys. And then that takes on a whole new significance when you think about it, when... When Solon said, oh, Morphers, I haven't seen that since 65 million years ago. And then the swords on the wall feel almost like a memorial in a sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that put Zato's story recontextualizes that whole episode. Yeah, it does. There is some great great stuff i think that is 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 on the way so a couple other things that i want to talk about a little bit so campbell cooley who's done countless like monster and good guy voices and and mecca and dino charge and and all that stuff he is now officially from what he said on twitter when uh he responded to our tweet the loop group supervisor so if you heard like our interview with Kerrigan Mahan, who talked about the loop group, you know that the loop group is uh, a set of voice actors that are able to do looping and dubbing for numerous background characters and monsters and all that stuff. Campbell Cooley, countless voices on Power Rangers now for, you know, the last decade is now ADR and like loop group supervisor. Yeah. I couldn't think of a more earned role for Campbell, and I think that's awesome. You love to see it. Yeah. So the character of Solon, interestingly enough, so the Power Scoop did some digging, and in the credits of Power Rangers Dino Fury, the voice actor for Solon is listed as Josephine Davidson with a D in the middle. However, there is no actor by that name. So she's theorizing that it's Josephine Joe Davison, like no D in the middle. And she played Morgana in Power Rangers SPD. And she is voicing Solon, our uh, robotic assistant. That's cool. That's a fun link. That is really cool. Uh, I remember seeing, you know, Mare's uh, tweet about it when she kind of uncovered that info. And I was just like, Oh man, I wish I could see Eric's reaction to this news. Cause 
Oh, I, I'm excited. Um, she also noted that Lydia Zanetti is also credited for the character of Solon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not known at this moment what the extent of that credit is, if she's the suit actress or if Solon will take uh, human shape. But I think it's more like a keeper situation where there was someone that was voicing keeper, but then a woman was underneath the suit yeah. doing the actual body movements. But no, I, I'm I'm glad uh, uh, Josephine is is back for for Power Rangers once again. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I I love that SPD connection. It's great. Any other thoughts or feelings about what's going on with with Dino Fury? You know, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how. This is great setup for a great story about Zato, his former team, the loss they suffered, him wanting to to redeem himself in that way, and and how the story is going to unfold, and hopefully they can keep up this momentum because yeah, if we get a whole season of this, I'm going to be very happy. Like this is this was a great mm-hmm. great first episode. Yeah, honestly, I can't say it any better. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want to ramble <laughs> on. That's basically exactly how yeah. I feel, and I I can't say it any better than that. Yeah, I'll have to agree. I'm I'm really excited for the possibility of of what's to come. Like I said, I'm still a little bit cautiously optimistic, but like I said before, I'm leaning more on the optimism side yeah. for this round because. Mm-hmm. With all the interviews that Simon Bennett did, I'm a bit more confident in the direction and his plan for the show. In these interviews, he didn't BS. It was like, hey, we're moving the comedy towards dialogue. Happened in the first episode. So it wasn't like every past season where it's like, this is the best season yet. Can't wait till you guys see what we've done. Like, no, he actually gave real information and said real things. The executive producer going to Ranger board when there's been so many behind the scenes things that we've heard of like people saying, Oh no, the suits are like, no, avoid Ranger board, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the fact that he's going into the, the threads, he is answering fan questions. He's clearing things up. He's active on Twitter. This reminds me of the Doug Sloan and Ann Austin days and Greg Aronowitz and, you know, people coming into the threads, you know, explaining their choices, giving a little bit more backstory and lore. It's incredible. Like they don't, they don't owe us any of that, nope. but it is so nice to yeah. get it. It's a less, less chance for speculation. It feels like they appreciate the fandom more. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to move on. If there's nothing else, we're going to go move on to our Ranger Nation answers segment where we asked, uh, we're recording our reactions to Power Rangers Dino Fury for a new extra episode. Hit us up with your initial thoughts of the premiere for our Ranger Nation answers segment. And all of these responses are from Twitter. Once again, we thank all of our listeners very much for participating in these and giving some really great uh, coherent answers and really great points of stuff that we don't even think about sometimes. Mm -hmm. So uh, Tyler Bozetsky at Tyler Bozetsky said, while the rest of the season has or seasons have yet to come out and be judged, it was a neat premiere and it felt fresh. 
The dialogue was pretty good. The acting decent. The visual effects were boosted. The music was a night. We, we didn't, didn't even, even talk, talk about, about the, music. the music. I know. The music. Uh, I know. I think it's Bert Selen, who is the new composer. There was no mention of Gnome Keneal. There was no Gnome Keneal in the credits or anything like that. Yeah. The background music of this episode, timed with the fight, timed with those dramatic moments, was some of the best Power Rangers music in the background that we've had in the past decade. They nailed it. Hard agree. It was so appropriate. Mm -hmm. It was not the same thing over and over again like we're used to getting. It got me hyped. It made me feel things. Yeah. Not that I'm, not that I have no feelings, but it's like, I took a sound design class in college, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like good background music affects your emotions yes. and it just it complements mm-hmm. the scene it's not just like there to create noise and that fight music got me pretty hyped oh yes like this it was so perfect and appropriate mm-hmm. and it did what it was supposed to do like mm. my my favorite little thing in that music was when void knight got his hands on the henchman key and when he did that that key chomp with the sword and the music was like it was like this like villain it did like one of those like but like more menacing yeah and i was like whoa this is really setting the the creep mood on this it it was so good so I good. loved the synth they, that was added to it mm-hmm. after they morphed. Oh, the morphing scene. My God. Yes. The, the, the morphing grid effect that we see in the flashbacks. Yes. And yes. we're seeing these characters. And it, it was an instant morph. I don't know if we're getting uh, like an actual uh, morphing sequence or whether we'll see that later on. And I hope that morphing grid effect is you know, incorporate into that. But the fact that it's the same effect as when they were granted the powers in the first place, it feels like the most raw form. Like they, they are getting their powers. Like, well, all power Ranger powers are from the morphing <laughs> grid, but it feels like they but have like, the most direct and ancient yes. connection to the morphing grid. Yeah. Like they are getting pure unfiltered, like morphing grid energy. Hey man, I got some morphin grid energy. Oh, oh God, no, we're not sure. doing that. You know what I mean, though. It's not like the synthesized like morphic. No, I, I yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like this is not, this wasn't the morphin grid got tapped into by a rocket scientist or right. You know, this right. isn't some mystical uh, source of magic that's the morphin grid. This is raw. This is the morphing grid. This is raw, un, like, <laughs> I say untapped because it is tapped, but raw morphing grid energy. Yes. Oh, God, I love that constellation effect, The uh, which <laughs> could hint at something else. Who knows? Um, <laughs> one would hope. Uh, but going back to Tyler's uh, comment, the music was a nice change. The overall experience felt different than what we had in the past 10 years. Quote, but it's the same people writing and working on it, you say. 
While that is true, they are working under a completely different company with new rules. Just because it's the same people from before doesn't always mean it's going to be the same quality as before, good or bad. I always go into a season with an open mind, and you can't really predict the future by what's going on in the present or what happened in the past. I think the one thing that makes me sad is that Chiplin is less involved as he is now a creative consultant. I'm not saying he was innocent of everything that happened under his wing during Dino Charge, Nuna Seal, and Beast Morphers, but he's not guilty either. I feel like he really did care about the brand a lot and did the best he could to make it work. Those who are saying he should be fired or sending him in the writer's death threat should be ashamed of themselves. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean you can do or say that. In the end, it looks like Hasbro slash E1 saw it needed a facelift and did it. If this is the last hurrah for Toei, I think it will be satisfying. Again, that does remain to be seen, but it does look promising. Also, Zato's voice is so deep, it's kind of neat and scary at the same time. <laughs> Next one, uh, Jason O'Rear at Jason O'Rear said, Hello, Eric, AP, and Zach. I love the podcast. I don't have any Ranger fan friends in real life, so listening to you all has helped fill the void. Thank you. Aww. The void night. <laughs> <laughs> listening to you has, has listening to you all has helped fill the void night. <laughs> Spoilers, it's all of us under that armor. <laughs> oh my gosh. The real all villain right. is all of us. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> He said, I'm not sure where to share Dino Fury thoughts for the podcast, but I just wanted to say that I thought the premiere was sick. Music, comedy, action, everything got me excited for more. The actors all really seem excited for the series, and it really reads on screen. Super fun to watch them. I loved how we got to know just Blue and Pink first. Shows early on, the writers want all of the Rangers to shine, and not just red like it has been in the past. Another key thing I noticed was how the fight choreography escalated. Civilian fight was cool, but once they morphed, you could instantly tell how much more powerful they were. And Zato's choreography showed how much more skilled he was. It was epic. Overall, I can't wait for more. Haven't been this optimistic for a premiere in years. Really seems like they're on to something special. Yeah, I think I think Jason really nailed that comment. I want to give him a shout out for... Uh, taking the time to DM our uh, podcast account on Twitter. Um, also want to shout him out because I've noticed he's been tuning into some of my Twitch streams and he's been fairly active there. So uh, Jason, we really appreciate the the kind words. Thank you for taking the time to message us. Um, that's a great way to share uh, your thoughts uh, on the premiere as well. So really, thank you. But I want to point out to to something that uh, he said about the fight choreography. Yeah, that was such a good point that the civilian fight was definitely like you know something we've seen before in Power Rangers, and I'm really talking about Beast Morphers premiere because it's pretty much the setup is the same from the Beast Morphers premiere. You, you've got enemies in the base. There's some shelves, there's some grunts, there's like stuff going on, but yeah, once they kicked into Ranger mode, the mood shifted, the music shifted, everything shifted. And, and that was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Mason T Merrill at Mason Merrill said, nice start. Hope they build on the momentum and keep the story flowing through the show. My five and two year olds really enjoyed it. 
hooked from start to finish. It helps that this is a dino season, because they are both enamored with dinos right now. I really like Zato. I think he's got the potential to be a standout character. The excitement from the cast has been great, but I think the excitement from Simon Bennett has really got me interested to watch the season and how it all plays out. That whole sequence of Zato's backstory and the Morphin Masters was definitely a highlight of the series in my opinion. Connecting the universe right off the bat is a good move. We'll for sure keep watching, I watch with my kids on Sunday mornings, and really enjoy that time, if nothing else. Return of the Matt at The Real Matt Hunt said, Very strong premiere. There were no cringe moments like what we've become accustomed to in recent years, and every character and scene mattered. No cartoon humor. If it can keep up this quality, it's going to be a fun year. But that theme song, man, just know... Background music is fantastic, though. Callum at Callum MacArthur said, Absolutely loved the opener. I'm very intrigued to see where the series goes from here. 7 out of 10. Eric T at Spandex T Rose said, Decent start. Amelia and Ollie's chemistry worked very well. The writing feels a little tighter, and the jokes are more to my liking than the slapstick stuff. Solon is great. Morphin Masters? What? Did not expect that in 65 million years. Very intrigued, looking forward to more. Bor L at Titanium Tigre said, They actually knew about the existence of Power Rangers and didn't pull that Power Rangers aren't real BS that so many seasons do. That, automatic, that automatically makes the premiere a 10 out of 10 for me. Floof at Floof on the Run said, I think it was a great premiere. The only real criticism I have is that the Morphin Masters should have been practical suits that walked out of the grid instead of that weird floating. It would have been more impactful. And also, now that they've shown everything, I hope they have some unique surprises up their sleeves. Oh, I'm sure they do. I kind of like how the Morphin Masters kind of just, like, floated out there. They're, like, they're all-powerful beings. They have no need for walking. Yeah, w- walking is for you mere mortals. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I could float everywhere, I would. <laughs> You'll float here, too. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Final boss of Dino Fury confirmed? No. (laughs) (laughs) Steven Martinez at Steven Martinez 90 said, I'm saving my excitement till maybe after season one finishes. The hiatus after eight episodes usually kills the momentum for me. Too much Dino Charge, Ninja Steel, and Beast Morphers vibes, I feel. While I am not a fan of Beyond the Grid comics, it was cool seeing the Morphin Masters in this episode, and maybe we will get more backstory of them as well, as more info from that MMPR episode, maybe of the Power Eggs. My guess, Gold Dino Fury could be the last member of that team, but overall it was still a fine episode. Can't wait to see the whole cast together. Oh, uh, before I read the next comment, I, I want to point out, so in that flashback, so in the Sentai, Russell Green is obviously a male character. The behind the scenes that we've seen from uh, the power scoop and other things, and even the promotional images, we know that Green doesn't have a skirt. In that sequence, Green has a skirt. So the ancient Dino Fury Green has a skirt. They, They added a skirt for whatever reason. But we know that Izzy doesn't. And I don't know why so many people are losing their (laughs) crap on this. We have had so many characters 
that have that are women characters that do not have skirts in Power Rangers. And yes, they they are mainly the the gender flip ones, but SPD they didn't have skirts. Ever since Mighty Morphin, Train didn't have a skirt. Jen didn't have a skirt. Like there there are so many ranger characters and we know that the morphin grid changes people it's you're morphing it's a metamorphosis and if you are so freaking hung up and are arguing and are doing all this crap over a skirt please leave your sexism and all that it's also yeah it's like almost it's almost offensive it is it's like saying the girls always have to wear a skirt you wear a skirt once you gotta wear a skirt for life it's like, no. Like, no. Given what we know about the characters, I'm going to just assume that it's like, Izzy's kind of a tomboy. She doesn't need a skirt. She doesn't want to wear a skirt. So she has her Power Ranger suit not have a skirt. That's it. That's yeah. all they need to say. And it's like, done. They don't even have or, to Or they it. don't even need to say yeah, it. Yeah, really, they, they don't. They don't even need to say it. Yeah. It, it's, it's never been said before. It's not like, it's like, oh, I got a skirt. You got a skirt. I don't have a skirt. Like, that's that's never been a thing in Power I, I think it's like people feeling like bummed. Like, why didn't they just use the skirt suit the whole time? It's like, well, doesn't yeah. freaking matter. And it doesn't match like, the I'm Sentai. <laughs> and it also doesn't matter. It like, doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It really doesn't. And we've devoted too much time to it as it is. We're talking about it, giving it more time than it deserves. Right, but I, I just I want to yeah. just shut down that talk about it because in the end it doesn't matter. It hasn't mattered this much in all the other times a woman has had or has not had a skirt. The simple thing is, Dino Fury Green in the past had one. Izzy doesn't. That probably matches her personality. We in Dino Charge Purple had two different versions of the suit. It doesn't matter. The Morphin Grid accepts the preferences of the user. It is freaking space magic. Like, that's all you need to know. There's no further explanation. Yep. Perfect response. So I just wanted to kill that discourse that I've been seeing online. But uh, uh, Midwest Tokusatsu at Noah Bowden 7 said, Solid first episode. A little more than Beast Morphers, but we still should curb our expectations because we've been burned in the past. The real test will be if the show can keep up this kind of momentum. Oh, one more thing I forgot to to note in the flashback. Notice how they tried everything in their power to like make gold as like less seen as possible <laughs> in the corner. It's like, nope, nope. You can't, can't really see me. You can see a little bit of him, but not the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam at Lil Adam eighty seven said so far feels like a real step Agreed. up. Josh Perry at Living Ranger Key said I actually thought it was pretty good. The music was great, the characters were fun, and the setup was intriguing. I am down for this. Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam said enjoyed it. Gonna stick with it at least through the hiatus. Crossed fingers, crossed fingers. Premieres in this show have a way of exceeding the actual quality of the whole, especially lately. So we will see. Uh, Thaw at Buju Terry said solid with room for growth. Tuned in for February, Curse of the Dark at the Nick Fan Club said, I loved it. Buzz Blast looks great. Zato reminds me of Teal from Stargate SG-1. Solid reference. That is, yep, yeah. Solid I'm reference. I'm just now thinking about it. Yep, sounds about right. Yep. Uh, and I think the setup of the Scattered Sporics 
reminds me of the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series second season that started with the scattering of mutagen all over New York City. Seeing the Morphin Masters was mind-blowing. Oh, absolutely agreed. Uh, Josh, the Toku fan at Shinken Red 813 said, Haven't seen it legally because frustratingly there's still no way to watch without cable. I miss my Megaforce next day streaming on Hulu. Well, apparently he saw it because he followed up with incredible big production changes, making big changes on screen. And I will say you can watch it legally. I have Philo. If you don't have cable, you can still pay for a streaming service called Philo where it's like cable. Cause you can watch TV live but it's also got a virtual DVR on it. So you can say, Hey, I want to watch all the beast morphers or Dino Fury. And you can have essentially the recording from that day or the video on demand version. So it's out there. It exists. That's the only way I watch it. Cause I do not have cable, yep. but I, I do watch it legally at quantum. Beware said Morphin masters were a really great surprise. They were the last things I expected to see on TV. What stood out to me was the really solid writing, the jokes were weaved in well, and the characters already have plenty of personality. Edward Sanchez at Edward is the Man said, The premiere was dinotastic on so many levels. Bobby Fisher at The Rockfish said, Really strong first episode. It's obviously early, but it does feel like the claims of the show being written up a bit might be true. There wasn't any point where it just screamed, kid show for kids. I feel like that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, Von Fury at Mr. Cooper 92 said, please bleat me for this. Morphin <laughs> bastards. Aye, man. This was a good premiere. Felt very refreshing to watch. Oh, Von. <laughs> I read that when he posted it. I was just like, that's hysterical. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I was like, I wonder who's going to be reading this <laughs> yeah. on the show. It was yeah. me. <laughs> uh, JD, at a myth known as JD, said, I'm impressed. Hopefully it can keep that momentum for the rest of the series. Writer Club at Writer Club Maine said, Very cool episodes. Morphin Master, Zato, Amelia's the best, and the fights were great. Uh, Jurassic Samurai at Jurassic Samurai said, Zero out of ten for the misuse of a Mosasaur. Just kidding, of course. This episode was great. I hope future episodes keep up with the energy this first episode brought. At Sentai 5 said it was good. Now the real test is for the rest of the show to hold up. Still being cautious. Love the look of the Morphin Masters, how they retain their overall look from the comics, but armored. I also forgot until you brought up that line from uh, Beyond the Grid, which is a great point. Also forgot to mention, it messes me up hearing Void Knight's voice. He kind of sounds like me, laughing face emoji. Yep, laughing, but with tears yeah. of joy face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Judge Show at the Judge Show said, good start. One of the better premieres in recent memory. Looking forward to getting more on Void Knight and some more serialized storytelling. Yep. It was a good premiere. It was a very good premiere. It really was. I kind of want to watch it again now. <laughs> I know. I kind of want to watch it. I've already watched it twice. Same. I, I watched it Saturday and again Sunday. I've watched it three yeah. times. I, I watched it twice on Saturday and then Me too. a third time with Teresa and she gave the thumbs up. So 
Uh, that's that's good enough for me. She didn't watch uh, Ninja Steel or Beast Morphers, but you know, one of her favorites is Dino Charge. And after I watched it, and I was like, I'm actually I'm pretty impressed by this. So she was like, All right, let's let's watch it. Um, and I got the thumbs up at the end, so I'm good there. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the rest of the season. I think when we kind of fizzled out of our Beast Morphers reviews for the second season, yeah. I definitely think we're going to keep up a little bit more with Dino Fury and and we'll revisit the rest of Beast Morphers uh later down the line. But like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic, leaning more towards the optimistic side. I thought the premiere was a lot of fun. There was a lot of energy to it. I'm excited. And, you know, talking through this, you know, feeling that energy that all three of us are bringing, talking about this premiere, I'm really excited for what's to come. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, Simon Bennett is being vocal. I'm glad that he is overall positive himself about this. It seems like he's very proud of the work that his team has done. And, you know, I, I brought this up before, but I have to say it again. The fact that they were able to deliver Power Rangers in a premiere of February, like it has always been done for the past 10 years during a global pandemic and during all the precautions that they had, they said, I think one of the things they said was they were able to film a hundred days before they had to be shut down. Uh, for three days, but that was a New Zealand lockdown overall. Yeah. Um, that was most recent. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they were able to get so much done and deliver a really solid premiere that everyone seems to be really upbeat and positive about and on time and the level of quality and the score and everything that we talked about, we have to acknowledge that that is an incredible feat just that fact alone really puts a lot of trust, I think, in what Simon is able to bring as a new executive producer. Yeah, you hit the nail yeah. on the head. You really did. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for us. AP, where can people find you on, on the social medias? On social medias, you can find me on Twitter at SecretRangerFan. And I also sporadically uh, check out the... Ranger Command Power Hour Facebook page. If you want to message through there or leave a comment, I might respond. Yeah, just don't be so, like a, a weirdo on the, on the messaging. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah, just don't just, do yeah. that. Be normal. Be normal. <laughs> but if I sign my name on there, if I'm on the Facebook, I always do a little dash AP. Yep. So you know it's me. Yep. So. <laughs> uh, Zach, how about you? Uh, I stay far away from Facebook because <laughs> it's a cesspool. <laughs> um, uh, no, if you're looking for me online, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Zach Lavoy. I am on TikTok at Hollywood Zach. That's pretty much it. I don't really have a social internet life. I just post things okay. on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can also find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at TrekkieB47. I'm also streaming on Twitch on uh, Monday and Thursday afternoons and Saturday and Sundays. Uh, so check me out for some gaming, for some graphic design, all, all that cool stuff. Uh, come hang out. And, uh, like I said, uh, Jason, uh, O'Rear was, uh, hanging out on, on the Twitch stream the other night. So 
glad that he enjoys that. So otherwise, Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph and on Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. And until next time, I hope you have a dino-tastic week. <laughs> can we please eliminate that catchphrase? Everything about this show is great, except that catchphrase. It's dino-tastic. Bye, everybody! Eric. Eric. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. It's super dino-tastic. Oh, God, no. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at RangerCommandPowerHour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks for listening.